Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Jess Messen Broadcast is hosted by Jess Fole, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who've inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess Messin Broadcast with Jess Full. Hi everybody, this is Jess Full coming to you live on my fancy new internet from the Copycat Building in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, on Lions Radio Network, we have a really dope special guest with us today, Plastic Jesus. Hey PJ, aka Nick. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for the invitation to join you. Oh, my God. Thanks for accepting it. Okay. So let me give you a little background on um, Plastic Jesus, and we will refer to him as Nick here. So Plastic Jesus is a Los Angeles-based street artist that specializes in bold stencil and installation work inspired by world news events, society, the urban environment, culture, and politics. His critically acclaimed work combines humor, irony, criticism, and unique opinion to create art that engages on many levels. Often questioning the norms in society, Plastic Jesus confronts our compliance of culture and current affairs. The artist uses scale and contradiction as a means to highlight issues and opinions that often go unquestioned. The aesthetic appeal of his work combined with the engagement produces an addictive mix that challenges our acceptance. Plastic Jesus is not about revolution, and he is not an anarchist, but would like to see some changes around this place. And that is just like makes me like laugh every time his work is more about is more about shining a small light into some of those dark corners of society his work has been featured on the bbc cnn abc news huffington post gizmodo buzzfeed and there are so many like periodicals here la times time us weekly usa today and many many more the smithsonian institute also features art by plastic jesus and collectors include miley cyrus the kardashians kid rock james corden Corey Taylor, Harry Styles, Jared Kushner, and more. Prior to his commitment to produce provocative street art, Plastic Jesus has worked for over two decades as a news photographer. So, okay, let's, I don't even know where to begin with you, but, okay, let's, let's get this together, Jess. Well, can I, can yeah. I just start in there, actually, because I've got, I've got a new collector that I should add to that list, and that's Donald Trump himself. He has a piece of my art in his office at Mar-a-Lago. I, I don't know whether I should be ashamed of that or proud of it, but certain I, there's certain irony there, I think. I, okay, I wanted to kind of start there because when I read your collector's um, list here, and I'm sure it's much longer than this, but as you know, you have from Miley Cyrus to Harry Styles to Jared Kushner, now Donald Trump, the Kardashians fall somewhere in the middle, and then we all know Kid Rock shtick. So how does this all come together for you as far as producing art that is anti and anti-establishment and the establishment is buying it? Cause I mean, good for you. <laughs> you know, it's always, 
kind of mixed feelings because while I'm here trying to portray a, a message of a, of, a, of a better kind of environment and society that we can all live in, what am I not going to do? Am I not going to sell to a Republican supporter of Donald Trump? Am I not going to sell to somebody who, whose morals, whose ethics uh, you know, violate what I'm doing? I'm sorry, but I'm really because- I've got rent to pay. I mean, because why? That's like dirty money, though, right? You know, like I get that. <laughs> but well, yeah, you also but, have you know, it's a live life. If you only get if you only get sell your art to people whose ethics and morals align a hundred percent with yours on every matter, well, then you're gonna be a very, very hungry and very, very poor artist. Um, totally. You know, the other thing is when when I started out, and even now, you know, I don't want to dictate to people what they should think. In, in, you know, in simple one-syllable terms. And what I want people to do is to look at their views, look at their opinions, look at society and look at the world and just take a more conscious effort to stand back, assess where we are, take a view on what we're doing and whether that's leading us in the direction that us as individuals, we as a nation and we as a world want to go. So, you know, I've got some followers that are diametrically opposed to me in um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 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 their feelings, in their thoughts, in their in their attitudes, but we can still have a good conversation and agree to differ. Right, and you know, focus on what like, you know, where like the art, you know, makes you feel and what it makes you think and how it's offensive and how it's not. And you know, I mean, I think that's a big portion of art, and we do that a lot on your page, which is really cool. You allow that people discussing your art pro and con of it, you know, which I don't really find that space to be that common in Instagram. Normally it's pretty censored by the artist, but you let it rip and it's pretty enjoyable to see, (laughs) you know, people interact with it freely like that. You know, sometimes I feel that um, when I put a post up with some comment or opinion or even without, but when the opinion of the piece comes over, I feel that I'm lighting that blue touch paper and standing back, you know, just waiting for that explosion to happen. And sometimes it happens, (laughs) but, you know, we're a nation made up of different people with differing ideals and ideas and conversation and dialogue is everything. Uh, You know, I think sadly at the moment with politics the way they are, we're not seeing enough conversation. We're just seeing, you know, a lot of, a lot of commentary, a lot of comments that are there with one purpose, just to antagonize the other side, which I think is a very sad place to be. Well, and it's not, a, I mean, it's, it's so detrimental because it keeps, you know, v- things very one-sided and, you know, you have the yes side and the no side, no matter what you believe in. And really the only way to move forward is to find, you know, like the middle common ground where we can all in, you know, to sound, kind of queer but coexist you know because the whole yin and yang thing isn't really happening it's not coming together like it should well so can yeah, you disclose exactly. to, can you tell us which piece donald trump purchased from you yeah it was one of the or is that confidential? Bills. no it was it was it was one of the hundred dollar bills somebody purchased it it for him and gave it to him as a gift. I, I didn't know he got it, but then one of my collectors who knows him told me it's actually in his office at Mar-a-Lago. So it's a $100 bill with Trump's head on it. It's got a, a, a wall, a graphic of a wall. It's got Trump's signature, and it's got a couple of cross, uh, assault rifles crossed in the corner as well. Um, you know, I, I, like most of my work, it was intended to be ironic, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's spoken to the, um, 
the uh, Federal Reserve and said, hey, how about this for an idea, guys? If he does, You're I You're reading I my mind. Well, because, like, obviously he knows who you are. Let's talk about some of your work that's um, been – that's featured Donald Trump. Um, Nick is really well known for, first, the border wall around the Hollywood – Donald Trump's Hollywood Walk of Fame star – and then you hit it again this year with the jail bars, right? That was recent? That's right, yeah, yeah. And you also did the disobey with Donald Trump. So, I mean, the opinion is clear. <laughs> so I'm, like, imagining him sitting in his office, like, viewing your art. And in, in my mind, he's like, yeah, that's how that should be, right? <laughs> well, you know, he... he Trump seems to miss the mark on so many things that he might not even comprehend the meaning uh, behind, you know, behind what I'm doing, which is just kind of slightly bizarre. <laughs> okay, let's talk about your background in photojournalism. Walk us through kind of the beginning years of your photojournalist career and how that parlayed into what you're doing now. And then also really how this, your concentration became pop culture, Hollywood, ethics and morals in Hollywood. Yeah, there's, there's a huge connection between the two. From a very early age, I was fascinated by news photos. I remember I was probably about seven or eight years old, and I was at my grandparents' house, and my cousin, a few years older than me, was reading a copy of a daily newspaper. And I just thought, wow, that's a really grown-up thing to do. When he puts that newspaper down, I'm going to pick it up and read it. And I did. And although I was probably too young to even read the stories properly, let alone comprehend them, it was the pictures that stuck in my mind. There was pictures of the troubles in Northern Ireland, in trouble in the Middle East. There was uh, football soccer players with their long flowing permed hair and beautiful girls and champagne. You know, it, it just absolutely yeah. captivated me. So that was something that I, I was drawn to. Um, and the whole, I suppose, the whole, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the whole kind of principle of journalism, of photojournalism, and conveying a message was was one which was you know, was just foundation to, to, to my, my belief in, in what I wanted to do. So that's the route I went along. I never had any training. I never went to school or anything for that. I just studied what I could, looked at newspapers, found out why pictures worked, why they didn't, and spent time basically um, going, you know, going along to news events and kind of sneaking my way in there. And it took me two years to sell my first photograph, but it went the front page of the Sun newspaper, which was the best-selling <laughs> newspaper um, in, in the UK at the time. So they, they spelt my name wrong, but it was still damn good to get a picture there. Oh, my God, and, tell me about it. I know. <laughs> you know, like, as long like, as they get the name name right on the check, you know, it, it, it was fine. <laughs> I know. I know, Nick. <laughs> okay, keep going. So, I mean, that's, that's the direction I headed. And then I, I, I got this, you know, for me... I'm just driven by by telling people something, whether it's a story via an image or a story via a piece of art, that whole idea of putting something visually in front of someone that, that captivates them, that conveys a story to them. So as, as a news photographer, uh, you know, I was covering everything from public unrest. I went out to Kosovo and Bosnia just at the end of the war there. I covered the, the earthquake in Haiti and Japan. And, you know, to be there where news 
is is being made even to this day you know just just gives me so much you know so much excitement um, yeah energy yeah it, it, exactly yeah, real and I'd be quite honest with you, it, yeah. It, it, yeah and it's something that I, at this stage I don't do any news journalism now and it's something I do miss and it's something if time and money permits I'd like to go back to at some point at some level so let's talk about um uh Nick was is so kind to offer some advice to any artist listening in that may admire that may admire him as much as I do. I just really connected with Nick's work because even the journalism background and you know, I just so identify with the irony of the work, the concept of the work, and I love the message. It's pretty clear cut and delivery at least to me and it's a lot of fun for me to follow. Um the flip side of that, Nick is really candid about the things that he does in his studio to survive as an artist. And, you know, the perception of Nick online, you know, he has, I think you're up to almost 80,000 followers. You have all these celebrity connections and all this good stuff and you're doing this big work, but tell us kind of the ins and outs financially of the studio, how you make your money, how that breaks down, because, you know, I'm up in here working my ass off to keep the lights on. And Nick says it's not that much different for him. So tell us about that a little bit. No, it's true. Uh, having 80,000 yeah, Instagram followers and kind of 20,000 elsewhere or whatever is, look, looks great. And you think, here's an artist whose work is getting featured on CNN and LA Times and BBC. You know, they must be you know, mm. driving an Aston Martin and living in the life of luxury. But that's not the case because being able to communicate a message doesn't necessarily generate, generate income. And particularly, just, just diverting slightly, but creating uh, politically-based art is very difficult mm-hmm. to sell. Whilst, you know, you build a wall around Trump's star and it may get millions of engagement online, that piece did actually sell to a collector um, who, who saw it and, and wanted it. I think he's got his in the, on his office, office wall now. But, you know, putting no Trump... Um, signs, you know, street, no parking signs around the U.S. or internment camp signs, that doesn't generate income. It costs you to get those things produced. People perhaps might align with your political message, but they won't want to see it on their living room wall every day. So just going back to your original question now, yeah, people can look at my website and their store door and they'll see items, you know, prints from 150 bucks up to canvases for $10,000 plus. And that's great when you get a collector, and I've got some very good collectors that buy from me. Um, when they buy a canvas for ten thousand dollars, that's great. That's great this week, this month. But what happens next week or next month when you don't sell a ten thousand dollar canvas? And you know, something like ten thousand sounds like a you know a reasonable sum of money, but when you break that down, you got to pay perhaps twenty five percent of that, two and a half, you know, twenty five hundred. In tax, my studio is fifteen hundred. My truck lease with insurance is like six hundred. There's five to yeah, three to five hundred dollars a month on, on materials just to keep the, the, the studio running. So at the end of it, you, you're lucky if you're going to gross three to four thousand dollars out of that sale. So you know, mm-hmm. it's not all you know, it's not all riches and gold. You know, as an artist, even you know, with a high profile. Um, it's 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 not a business where you you uh, you know you can sit back, take your foot off the gas, and think, great, I've made this one piece, you know, I, I'm rich. You really have to keep going all the time, coming out with new ideas, new concepts, new pieces. Uh, but then, 
you know, on the on the 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 um, the, the opposite uh, uh, you know, side of that, I suppose, is the fact that art has its value because of its rarity, its scarcity. If I was to produce a $10,000 canvas every day, they wouldn't be worth $10,000. You know, stuff like... No, like you're totally uh, you correct know. about that. You're totally correct yeah. about that. Because you know, there, there's a see. value in rarity. And I recently, I mean, a couple of years ago, I had this watercolor collection that jumped off, right? And I did all the commercial art stuff with it. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has that stuff, has that watercolor on some shape or form, whether it's a print or a coaster or a mug or whatever. So for me to sell that painting, people are like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, it's, up at, it's up at the Baltimore Museum of Art in their gift shop, and, that's, and I'm, right. I'm so grateful for that. But it's like I've tried to sell that piece, and people are like, I'm good with this. <laughs> Yeah, you know. no, exactly. That's 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 always the idea. And you know, with communication the way it is through social media and websites, you know, you can you can get you can see so much art that you don't need to go and buy. Um, collectors it's really a novelty. You know, yeah, exactly. Collectors are great. You know, they they know what they like. Uh, they build up their art collection, and you know, to a lot of people, they are sufficiently wealthy where they can uh, invest in an art collection. And it kind of reflects them as well. You know, once you've got the Rolex, once you've got the, the vacation home, once you've got the yacht, what can you buy that is different from all of your friends? And an art collection is, is one direction that a lot, of collect, a lot of wealthy people do go. And, and mm-hmm. some of those people, you know, yeah, I, I include in my, in my, my collectors. But, you know, business-wise, I'm, you know, I'm doing a few things. I try and release my audience is vast. In terms of demographics, I've got penniless students uh, and multi-multi-millionaires and everything in between. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get people that email me saying, how much is this print? And I'll say, you know, it's 150 200 bucks. And they'll say, thanks, it's too expensive, but I love your work. And then they may come back to me several months' time saying, hey, I've been saving 10 or 20 bucks from my, my wages every, you know, every week. I can afford this print now. Can I, can I, you know, can I buy one from you? Isn't the greatest thing oh. ever? I offer, I offer my um, collectors and stuff. I let them do layaway, especially right. if I know them really well. And I, like, I accept payments and we set it all up. And it's just like the coolest thing when, you know, somebody, you know that somebody's really like, I don't want to say that the wealthy haven't worked for it because Lord knows they have, you know, especially entertainers and stuff. I believe that. Most of them aren't even paid enough, to be honest. I've been on the road with rock stars. It's insanity. Um, so, but like, you know, when somebody that's just like you comes to you and says, I've saved my money and I really, really want, like, that's just such a special buy to me when someone does that, yeah. you know? It, it totally is because they are you know, sacrificing so much because they connect with a piece of your art, which let's face it, as an artist, that's what you hope to do. I mean, at the end of the day, you want people to connect with it, to see the meaning behind it and see value in it, whether it's a hundred dollar value or whether it's 10 or $15,000 value, the value is still there. And if somebody connects to that, or value, emotional I mean, value, huge, you know, yeah. Emotional well, value. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's talk about the Oscars. Okay. So I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You're obviously not going to tell me if you're doing another piece or what's going on, but Cuba Gooding Jr. is looking pretty good right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm doing this year. I have to be honest with you. Um, But I'm not overly worried, you know, as any artist knows. (laughs) 
when when you've got when you've got an art show coming up or some exhibit a night before it's due to be shown, you're still drying paint with a hairdryer. So you know, yeah. uh, I'm sure something will come to mind. And I have to be honest with you, the Harvey Weinstein Oscar piece that we did, casting couch that I did with Ginger, he's the sculpture from Vegas that I paired up with on that, and the uh, Kanye West Oscar statue. Um, you know, that uh-huh. really was such a, a big hit for us, and we were blown away with yeah, that, you know, that the media attention. <laughs> How the well, hell do you follow? Do you follow that? You know? I don't know how you. I don't know how you top that. I don't know how you top that, Nick. I mean, it was just so yeah. excellent. And I want to ask you something because you know one thing that I experienced. We t- touched on this a little bit when we were recording. Was you know perception of artists and you know especially online perception of artists and like you know how people assume you are as opposed to how you really are. And a lot of my work gets a reaction. I mean, I've literally overheard it, like, you know, as I walk away from conversations. It's like, where does Jess get off talking about this shit? You know, where does she get off? Where does she get off? And I want to ask you, where do you get off, Plastic Jesus, putting up a statue like that of Harvey Weinstein? Because it takes some stones, and I appreciate it. So, you know, where do you, in your brain, because I know how it works for me, Decide that you're the vessel for this. You're going to be the one who delivers this message. Where do you get off? <laughs> That's, you know, where do I get off in terms of personally? Uh, you know, I love, I'm hugely interested in psychology and how messages and art affects people. So I suppose seeing a reaction to something like that and then seeing the correct reaction or the reaction that I hope for, that, that is a, a big buzz for me, I, I guess. I, I, does that answer your question? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm thinking more like, you know, as the person who has necessarily like the balls to approach these subjects and to bring it to the public forefront, you're the vessel for this Mm. delivery. You know, it could be anybody, but where is it that you decide that it's like that person's going to be me? I think for me, it comes from definitely having like the journalism background helps for me in that, in the sense that I have... I took, you know, I was talking with Jim DeRogatis about this last week. He was on the show. Um, I don't, you're, I'm assuming you're familiar with his work with R. Kelly. Yeah, um, yeah. So he was on the show last week, and we were talking about morals and ethics. And as a journalist, yeah. you tend to take a, if you're a good journalist, you take your, your ethical code, conduct as a journalist to report, you know, true and factual information. So for yeah. me and my art, I have no problem, and I mean in my personal life as well, calling out something, including myself, and being like, nah, that's not right. And then we transform it into something visual so it's understandable and able to be talked about amongst the masses. So where is it that you decided that you were comfortable in being that kind of artist and that kind of like vessel to deliver that message to the world? I guess it goes back to being a news photographer um, when I wanted to be a news photographer. In the early days when I wanted to be a news photographer, I just didn't want to work for a, a local paper or just be a run-of-the-mill news photographer. I wanted to be one that, that made waves, that, that got exclusive, that took photos that nobody else could do. And in fact, whilst I was doing that, I became uh, you know, very well known for a photographer that could get pictures that nobody else could get. Newspapers, magazines would call me, often above their own staff guys, 
and say, hey, this is a picture we need. Do you think you can get it? And I'd be that one that would say, yeah, I'll find a way of getting that picture for you. You know, um, So I always wanted to be something a bit extraordinary, I suppose, a bit above, above the norm. And, you know, as, as a street artist, it's just an extension of that. I, I think, and I'm sure this, this, uh, uh, this uh, is something that you feel as well, that as an artist, the best compliment you can get is when other artists perhaps text you, email you, phone you, and say, wow, that's fucking brilliant. I wish I'd thought of that. Mm-hmm. I know that that came that also came from a, a background as a news photographer. If I got a picture on the front page of you know number of newspapers or magazines or whatever, uh, you know although there's a lot of competition within the industry between photographers, I'd often get a call or a text or a message from somebody another or other photographer saying, "Well done, how the fuck did you get that picture?" And it's the yeah. same with art now. You know if you take for example, a piece I've done recently, which was the Verve Clico fire extinguishers, you know, in emergency, in case of emergency break glass, and you've got a fire extinguisher looking like a bottle of champagne in there. So many mm-hmm. artists say, that's brilliant. It's simple, and I wish I'd thought of that. And really, that is a huge compliment. If you can carry a message over like that, that other people look up to, then I suppose, if that answers your question, I always wanted to kind of convey a message that is so... Yeah, so powerful, but also so obvious, but be the one that breaks that message, whether in journalism or in art. Well, it definitely does. And I, you know, this is a good, I'm going to let you go here because I know we both have crazy, crazy shit going on today. But before we get out of here, it is a testament to what you just said, because I want to let our listeners know that Plastic Jesus, Nick, who we've been talking to, is not somebody I've ever met. All right. Like I followed up um, his account on Instagram and I really started communicating with him about things we were making about his art. And there was a really cool rapport from artist to artist discussing art instead of being like non-communicative. Like, and I so appreciate that when artists take the time with each other to acknowledge good work, to discuss work to talk about how work can be better what do you see what do I see because if you're really arting if you're really making art you are making art all the time like at least for me I paint my ass off you know so like if someone says to me yo you hit the mark on that 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 puts me in it motivates me it puts me in a direction of positivity you know all that good stuff and you've done that for me. And I think, you know, I can't express my gratitude enough, honestly, because I think it's really special that you take the time. Hey, thank you. It's so kind of you to say that. I appreciate that. That means a lot. No problem, man. So anyways, we are going to cut out of here. We've been talking to Plastic Jesus, L.A.-based street artist, um, right here on Lions Radio Network. This has been Jess Messon Broadcast. We will be doing a replay next week because I will be down in D.C., for the Umphreys McGee Halloween show. There's tickets, I believe, still available. It's going to be a great show, great party. So come on out. And for all of us here at Just Mess and Broadcast, thank you for listening all over the world and to Plastic Jesus for joining us. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye.